0: You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. You're very welcome to Stand Out with me, Ian O'Connell. I hope you're all keeping safe and well. I'm delighted to say that my guest this week on the show is Irish Olympic sprinter Phil Healy. Throw the feet up and enjoy the show. Um, Thanks a million for for coming on Phil, I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely no problem at all. I'm thrilled to be a guest on the show and in Kerry for a change.
0: <laughs> um, I suppose if you could give the listeners a a quick background of you growing up and how how did you get into the sport and the family and stuff.
1: Yeah, so I'm been competing in the sport now. Geez, I started when I was probably eleven. I'm now 27 so that's a, that's a good while um but I have one older sister she always um led the way in athletics and that's a sport that I'm in and like she was always winning like school sports different things like that and um it was actually Johnny Caulfield who you've managed Cork City um was in charge of our community games and in the in the village and um she recommended that she join the Athletic Club. So she joined the Athletic Club and I followed suit to, to keep her company more so. And I was only going to have the crack because I certainly wasn't a standout performer. Like I would win like school sports and different things like that. But that was about it. And uh, I played GA right up to when you had to split when the girls had to play on their own. Um, And so I did that. And then I branched off into ladies football, camogie. Um, I tried basketball for a while um, up until I was 17 and that's when I fully focused on the athletics in when I was 17 so I was fifth year of school and I suppose I probably got a breakthrough then the following year um, when I was 18 just after my leaving start I came fourth in European juniors um, so that was massive for, for me at the time and I think things went on from there. I started college, I was doing nursing in UCC um I changed coach and different things like that. And I suppose the biggest breakthrough came when I finished my time in UCC. So after four years, I moved to Waterford, took a change of career. I went into the world of IT and did a master's in IT in uh, in Waterford. And um, that's where my training group were based. And that's where I've been since and went on to break national records and, um, most recently this summer or summer just gone i was at the olympics in tokyo um, and i got there in three events and we came eighth in the final of the uh mixed four by four relay which getting to a final in the olympics in athletics is absolutely massive and so rare in ireland
0: um i, I remember we'll touch on the olympics there at when you were saying you got in with a to keep your sister company was that i seen in interviews your sister joan is that
1: yeah joan so she um is still competing and like even we were at the european in or european outdoor championships together in 2018 um on the four by one hundred meter relay and uh she was running the first leg i was running the second leg and we happened to break the national record so that was something great to share with her as well Um, she's had a bit of injury troubles I suppose um, recently and right through the year she would have probably she was the reason that I stayed in the sport Um, and now tables have turned and I'm probably the reason that she's staying in the sport so it has played out that way and uh, I'm there to help her and she's there to help me too so she's based in Cork and I'm here in Waterford but uh, end of the day and um, we've competed against each other plenty of times, but I suppose as I've developed on into the into the four hundred, she's more the sixty and the one hundred, um the competitiveness has lessened, I suppose.
0: Lessened. It's always more um, competitive when you're younger anyway, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: even though I seen in that uh, the same interview you said, even though you're she's the older sister, like you said there now, she's looking up to you. What does that mean to you to hear that of Of her saying that that she looks up to you
1: yeah and it is a bit mad and like even when I hear other athletes like they might send me like a message or like looking for a video or different things like that I find that a bit mad because I just see myself as someone that just goes out training and yes I compete for Ireland but I just see myself the same as everyone else as such and like growing up like as I said I wouldn't have been that standout star and like I probably would shy away from a lot of that stuff as well. Um, Like, I almost get embarrassed when someone asks me for different things like that. So the fact that John then looks up to me as well, I just see myself as helping her out because um, athletics is a hard sport. It's an individual sport. And, like, why make it harder when you can easily help someone? Like, I remember, like, when I was growing up, Eilish McSweeney was someone that I looked up to And she held the national record over 100 metres at the time. And she was always there to to help me if I had any questions or different things like that. Like, she had no airs and graces about her that she wasn't able to help. And, like, I think it is so important to to help others and to be there for others. And it could be the, the smallest of things that will stand out to them and, like, Anyone, like, listening to the show will always remember if they're at GA matches or different sporting events, like, if someone signed an autograph or someone didn't sign an autograph, you always remember the person that didn't sign the autograph. So, like, why not help everybody else out? Like, these are people, like, you've been a child at a certain point or any age, it doesn't matter, and you've looked up to other sporting people. Give the people the time, because I look up to other sporting people and, like, even the likes of david gillick who was um european indoor um champion he's come to some of my training sessions and like he might say the smallest of things to me but they stick with me and like he can share his experiences with me so why can't i share my experiences with others you know to help him along the way
0: definitely i definitely agree with you there like you said it's the the one thing you'd remember is the autograph that didn't that didn't sign and um it's always going to be something like you know you can win all the all the um I've seen a lot of sports stars saying you could win the, the, the biggest achievements in sport, but if you're not if you don't have the personality, it's gonna be the people that'll remember your personality, sometimes more than your legacy, isn't it?
1: That's absolutely it. And like that's why i say like sometimes i'm like almost embarrassed when people ask me for different things because i i don't see myself as anyone different to them and like i am no different because i just get up the same um every morning same as everybody else and i just am obviously in a in a privileged privileged position where i can compete and train full time i do balance um education on the side but yeah like we've all made mistakes in life and sporting things uh, it is important to to be there for others and to share those
0: definitely um before we came on here we were talking about COVID and stuff and hopefully we're in the the back end of it how did how did COVID 19 how did it affect your say your training schedule in your day-to-day routine than before when the whole pandemic was
1: yeah it was definitely hard at the beginning like when it kicked off in But 2020, it meant the Olympics were cancelled. So that obviously was hard to deal with in terms of I was in really good shape in that year. And I was like, okay, what if I don't qualify when it's on in 2021? Will it be on in 2021? So there was an awful lot of unknowns at that time. And I think initially when we had the first lockdowns, um, all our tracks, gyms, everything were closed. Um, so it was just about tipping away with what you could do. And I think, but at that point, even when lockdown um, happened, the Olympics were still going ahead at that point. But you were seeing then other athletes all over the world weren't in the same lockdowns as you and they were training away. So that was hard at that point. But then once it, everything was cancelled, you could... Take we took the intensity out of training um, because I had been going year after year with major championships and different things like that. So it was important to um to take the time out. But um we were lucky then to get the elite exemptions um as time went on and I could train as normal. But I suppose in terms of risk and different things like that, that's where the biggest worry for me is because we're exposed to it in different ways so we have to keep our bubble as tight as we could and especially last year in the lead up to the olympics because if we did get a positive pcr before we went that could definitely rule us out um even if it was weeks and weeks previous but um even when we we're over in tokyo we were tested every single day and like you didn't want to come up positive while you were out there and there was COVID in the olympic village and there was plenty of people in isolation. In other countries, so you've worked so hard for this and it it isn't about just the year of twenty twenty one there's years and years have gone into it um as well so even up to now there is obviously still massive risk and I've world indoor championships in twin or in this middle of March um so I have to be as safe as I possibly can and hopefully not pick it up um in the meantime
0: and almost be it must have been so hard for them people that have putting years put years into the into their training and stuff and getting to Tokyo and then testing testing positive. I can only imagine how, how heartbreaking that must have been. Um when you were over in Olympic Village this time in Tokyo, when you were competing, I'm sure like you've competed in other big stadiums around the world that that have been packed with fans and stuff, what was it like competing without the fans? Did it did it make you kind of more nervous? Was it a a layback in nerves, or how how did you deal with it?
1: Yeah, I suppose when it's a massive stadium, I think the stadium holds uh, over eighty thousand people, and then when you're walking out into a stadium and there is absolutely no noise, it is very a very different experience. Because even like when I was in um, European Championships in twenty eighteen there was 70,000 people in the stand and that would have been the biggest like crowd that I would have run in front of. Like the buzz and the atmosphere was massive, but I think all athletes accepted the fact that the games were going ahead and we were happy that they went ahead without fans instead of having to wait for the return of fans, because if it was postponed again. It was, it was 2024 and like, that's a long time away. Um, mm. so it was hard, like it's hard in a way, but I think because no one was there, I think it heightened the support that we had back home. Um, we definitely got a lot of new fans to the sport and everyone was getting up in the middle of the night watching the different sports, not just athletics. Um, so it created a great atmosphere and buzz, even though they were the opposite side of the world. But um, I even look at home, the amount of banners, flags, cards everything that um was put up and sent to me like it was just unbelievable to see that support because I'm based in Waterford um my home is in West Cork and I hadn't been home because of COVID because of the because of the risk and just even when I came back from Tokyo seeing all the people out supporting with their flags when I was going through the village on when I came back home and the signs it it was just it was a bit surreal knowing that there was that much support there for, for me. me.
0: That makes sense. And I I I actually remember seeing the the footage of yourself and all the other athletes from there landing into their own their own um towns and villages and stuff. And I think that must the homecomings they receive must have it must have kind of made up for the for the lack of crowds over in Tokyo. What was the um. How did it feel knowing that your parents were, you know, they've been supporting, supporting you all up through the years? They must have been very disappointed, were they, when they, were, when they couldn't go?
1: Absolutely. And I, I think it is definitely hard um, when you have this support and it comes to the, the Olympic Games, the pinnacle of everyone's career and you, you can't go. But I think because no one was allowed to go, it made it easier um, as such as in like that was taken out of their control. And even when I was at European indoor championships earlier in 2021, I came forth there and my coach wasn't there and my family and weren't there and they've traveled to all these competitions and they've been there. So it's like even perform at the highest level and have a great result and they're not there to share with it or like it was something as simple. We couldn't celebrate it after because, um, because of COVID and different things like that. But when it is taken out of your control, you just have to accept it. And I think, as I said earlier, that support was magnified while we were over in Tokyo because we just did have so much support around us and backing the team.
0: Definitely. Um I suppose when you when is a lot of your training like you've obviously built a, a great relationship with um with your coaches in different areas of your training do you take your hat like i'm sure it must must be hard for your coach to or to be training in three different events is it hard to kind of program them all together when you're competing at three different events there
1: 100 percent. and it's even the planning of what will we race and when will we race um but i suppose for me i have found through the years that the Regardless of what event I race, whether it's the 100, the 200 or the 400 metres, the 400 metre type training always works for me and it necessarily doesn't work for, for others trying to balance it that way. But we found the the happy ground in terms of what works for me in training and what I need to do. And I respond to certain things um, far better than, say, others in the training group do or I might have to push the volume on for a lot longer than others or even the strength side of things. And um, but yeah, it just takes, I suppose, a bit of trial and error, and we've learned it through the years. And um, last year, I did balance the 200 and the 400. And um, whereas this year, the 400 certainly will be more of the focus. And um, it, I suppose, takes a lot of that stress and hassle out of planning um, when it comes to races of like trying to fit them all in.
0: Um, training with for athletics, it's um. It's obviously following you and other athletes on Instagram and stuff. It's um it's a sport that I think I've heard some of you train up to eleven months out of the year, and that that includes say going abroad for different weather training and stuff. How much sacrifice does it actually take to be at the pinnacle of your your game?
1: It's massive and like we do train 11 months of the year and we get three weeks off and it's literally that cycle year on, um, year after year and I suppose for me, it's my norm now, it's, it's my job, like um, I do have a master's completed on the side and I am doing a ma- um, an add-on module um every semester just to keep me ticking over on that distraction as well because yes I'm a full-time athlete but I like having the other distraction there um as well but we train six days a week there's double days in there as well and it is a massive sacrifice in terms of I only get um a weekend off every four weeks so that's my only opportunity to go back home and because of like COVID and different risks at the moment I haven't been home since Christmas um so even that alone is a macro, massive sacrifice and now I'm based in Waterford all my friends and family are in Cork that another, is another thing that is a massive sacrifice but you do miss out on a lot of things um throughout the year but other people might see them as sacrifices but I, this is what I enjoy doing and I want, if I'm doing something, I give it 110%. If I'm not giving 110%, I'm not doing it properly. So um, if I wasn't enjoying it, then I probably would see them as a lot more of a sacrifice, but um, it comes with it. You have to, you have to give it the dedication. You have to give it the commitment and uh, you get the rewards at the end for the hard work that you put in. But like saying that there's plenty, there's plenty hard days in it because like, just like anything you're not going to be um at the top of your game every day whether it's training or racing and you have the good days with the bad days and um it's part and parcel of it so uh, it's just about dealing with that and um i suppose you you get the experience as the years goes on of how to deal with it and um it's a lonely sport it's an individual sport but uh I'm lucky to have a great training group around me and within coaches and different things like that like Shane my coach is there all the time um and I have a great yeah network around me whether it's physios sports psychology or just my uh, training partners there is a there's a great um team environment even though it is an individual sport
0: and I think that's important too to to surround yourself with like-minded people that are that are giving it just as much as as you give us because then when you see other people doing it as well you kind of you kind of obviously it helps you to not go off track um over in tokyo you were you just fell fell short of the medals was this 0.2 of a second or something
1: yeah so i just missed out on the making the semi-final so the the mixed 4x4 relay was the first thing on the programme and um, we made the final in that and we absolutely shattered the national record so making an Olympic final is absolutely massive and I suppose there was a fatigue factor because after the final the final was on a Saturday I was out again on the Monday morning in um, the 200 metres and I was 500th of a second which is absolutely minimal um, in terms of qualifying for the semi-final and then the four hundred was the day after um, and I was hundredths of a second off that in qualifying for the semi-final even though someone in a different heat to me automatically qualified with a slower time but look that's the luck of the draw so I suppose it was hard to take at the time knowing that you go out to train every day and to perform individually and I knew going into the championships that I was in unbelievable shape, PB shape. Um, and so to just fall short of it. But end of the day, I went away from the from the Olympic Games as an Olympic finalist. I was the first Irish woman to compete in three events. Um, so that had massive, uh, it gave me a massive boost um, at the end of the day to take on to into the winter season. And then we've opened up our indoor season now at the moment and everything is going really, really well. And um World Indoor Championships in March, they're on Patrick's weekend.
0: That will be our next big one. It's such fine margins, isn't it? When you say like five of a second, it's only when you when you kind of break it down like that you realise that it's either, it's marginal. Um but I suppose that's what that's what it's all about, and that's what you put in all the hard work for. Um I don't know about you, but would you agree if I'd say that indoor racing it's more like kind of i don't know is it a i could describe it as more vicious and then outdoor racing would you agree with that or would that be would that be no 100 no
1: 100 especially in the 400 meters because outdoors 400 meter is just one lap of the track whereas indoor the track is 200 meters so it's two laps and after 150 meters everybody crosses into lane one so everybody's piling on top of each other so it's all about who makes the break in the best position um so there can be a lot of carnage when it does come to the break and getting caught in the wrong position so it's there is a lot of tactics coming to play in the 400 indoors in comparison to outdoors so but i think it also brings a good thrill to everybody watching as well it is definitely more exciting uh, for certain events indoors in comparison to outdoors
0: definitely as the as the the viewers it definitely makes it exciting um when you're training how would you implement that into your training g t- say taking corners and crossing into one lane is it something that you focus on a lot for when you're training for indoor
1: yeah we would and like Our indoor track is either in Athlone or in um, the sports campus in Abbottstown in Dublin. So we would um, train in Dublin um, quite regularly in the winter season um, because it is important to to practice. um, But at the end of the day, the race will play out for itself, so you have to act on your feet. um, But... It is important, yeah, because of the bins and different things like that. It does take practice, um, so that would be certainly something that we would incorporate into our training for the winter months. And then once the indoor season is done, it's all about focusing on the outdoor season, so uh, I'm very lucky to have great facilities here in Waterford between the gym and the track, either are five minutes from my house, so it's absolutely ideal.
0: Um, like you said, you are the first Irish um, woman to compete in the three events in Tokyo that time. How did you what was the main thing driving you on in each event when you were, when you were completing in one was it, was the next event almost on the back of your head or how did you focus on just one at a time? Was that hard?
1: Yeah. And you, I certainly had to take it one by one and like the relay was the full focus at the beginning and then the 200 was up next and, I like the two hundred. I was very, very disappointed with um, knowing how I performed, and I suppose it was being so close to the semi final which made it worse. Um knowing that that fatigue did play a factor, and that I could have been better, but that was out of my control. And um, with the four hundred meters, so I raced the two hundred on Monday morning, and I was like in floods of tears after the two hundred meters. Less than twenty four hours later. I was in the 400 metres and you do have to pick yourself up and it is hard, but I have to do it. And um, even though I didn't qualify for the semi-final in the 400 metres, I walked out. I suppose emotional aspect as well, because we were the first... Um, Olympic finalist in a track event in got a like Tommy Barr was there in 2016, but that was the first um one in a long time. So to make that was just unbelievable, and like he gave absolutely everybody a lift within the team and back home in Ireland as well. But then Saturday night that was done. It was time to focus um onto the individual and the, the 200 was up on Monday morning, um and I suppose going into the 200, I knew that I was in great shape, but I didn't know what the um, 4x4 relay would have done to my body in terms of fatigue and different things like that and it certainly did have play a factor in terms of fatigue um, but again I just had to accept that and like I had the 400 meters 24 hours later and I left the stadium on Monday after the 200 and floods of tears and I think it was more so knowing that I was so close to the semi-final and knowing what I could have done if I was a hundred percent Percent fresh but I had to accept that and put the focus towards the 400 metres and although I didn't qualify for the semi-final in the 400 metres I left the um, stadium on a high knowing how I redeemed myself and it was definitely blew my expectations again running sub 52 seconds and um, putting that performance out there and I think if I didn't redeem myself in that event. I would have seen, not as a failure, but the Olympic Games wouldn't have gone the way I would have liked because at the end of the day, we're athletes. We're individual athletes. We train every day to perform individually. Yes, we made an Olympic final, which was absolutely massive, and I will always be an Olympic finalist. But I suppose when you fall short individually, it does have that bit of disappointment, but you have to use that um going into the winter season after you take your break and use it for the for the upcoming season um and use it in the right way and challenge it in the right way um and that definitely has come to play for for this indoor season.
0: I think that's important that you took it like that, looking back that that you are taking the positives um. From it, um, I suppose, like you said, it's an individual sport. Sometimes it can be it can be tough and lonesome. How important is, say, would you, like you said now, when you were after not qualifying and stuff, mentally, how would you get over the mental barriers?
1: Yeah, and it is hard. And like, you find very quickly that you're like on your own in terms of like, yes, you were working with a, a team event, a couple of days previous, but now you're an individual athlete and like it's just you and your coach. And I was very lucky to have Shane, my coach, in Tokyo with me, but I was also very lucky to have my sports psychologist, Kira Lasty, she was there too, as part of team support. So um I had my usual team around me and like we had our um our chats and our debriefs and you just have to pick yourself up. Like it's normal to feel disappointed and you just have to process it in the right way and harness it into the next event and not let it get the better of you. But at the same time, you have to have that time where you are annoyed because if you're not annoyed, then God, doesn't like you're questioning why aren't you annoyed, you know, like if it doesn't mean that much to you, but uh, yeah, it is so important regardless of sport to, to have that debrief and not let it get the better of you because You're only letting it affect the next thing, and if you keep letting it affect the next thing and the next thing, and that's just day to day life as well. Like you, there's nothing you can do to change. Like there was nothing I could do to change the 200. It was done. Um, I had to learn from it and take it on into the next um next event.
0: And I think that's you mentioned there, sports psychologist that was there. I think in sports now it's becoming more popular. Even Man United, the new manager he brought in a sports psychologist that they didn't that they didn't have in there and that it's becoming more important in in other sports would you agree with that
1: 100 percent, because like everyone focuses on training really hard and they're like oh well, if i'm not training hard i'm not doing the right thing but what about all the other factors of like sleep and proper nutrition and mentally how are you like because they're all massive factors like I look at my day and I could be at training for say on a nor like today I was training for four hours, but what am I doing for the other 20 hours? Like I'm away from the track and the gym more often than I'm at the track in the gym. So it is so important to have all those other aspects um, taken care of because it leads into the next session. Am I recovered properly? Am I eating properly? Am I hydrated properly? And that's day to day life um, as well. And like I can train as hard as I want but if mentally I'm not 100 percent unable to adapt to certain situations and different things like that or managing worries or nerves in the right way, then the training that I have done is not going to be as effective as it should be. And like there's so many tools that I've learned in sports psychology that I um, take into practice in day-to-day life and whether it's like how to cope with different things or like not letting things bother me as much anymore. um, It is so important and it's definitely an underrated tool in sport across all sports. And um, it is so important to have the right person there and like, Don't get me wrong. It's not like the typical thing that you see that some people might think of like, oh, I'm going to go in and I'm going to sit on the couch and they're going to be asking me what my problems are. Like For me, it's just a general chat. We could be talking about absolutely anything, but she will know based on my form and different things like that, how I'm actually feeling. And it's just a simple chat over a cup of tea. Um, and i found it a massive um help to me because there was a time where everyone in my team was male and my house all my housemates were male and like my sports psychologist was the only female so it was just about getting a break from the lads too as well um yeah. you know so that was that was a great thing um but yeah across all sports i definitely highly recommend it and there is a lot of stigma related to it and there's a lot of taboo about it because i even remember when i was at one of my um appointments with Kira. someone saw me coming out of the room and they were like oh are you fixed now and like sports psychology isn't about being fixed it's a performance enhancer and like everyone tries to be better at performance and they think that training harder is the answer it's not it's training smarter with the with the right tools in place and like looking after all the areas and ticking all the boxes and people definitely um don't rate the importance of sleep enough and the importance of psychology enough
0: definitely and like you said the stigma around that I remember when I was in um when I was in rehab after my accident and they were asking me did I want to meet a counselor and stuff and I I kept putting it off because I felt grand but then it came to a stage where they were asking me every day and i I went to speak to her and I don't know what it done I, I you I came out of it just feeling. A hundred times better, like even just a simple chat, it can, it can, um, it can change your whole day, can't it?
1: A hundred percent. And it is just that simple chat and it's someone that this is their profession and they know how you feel and they get why you're feeling a certain way. And like, I'd hundred, hundred percent recommend anybody to, to use that tool and it doesn't have to be in sport. And like, they think that going they they have a problem but no it's just about talking to different people and it is so important and with everything going on at the moment because people are stressed and they have so much things going on and like there was a lot of there was a time where there was a lot of uncertainty and people are under an awful lot of pressure and they're holding that in but you can get massive relief out of talking to someone and that it doesn't have to be a person that is qualified professional in that role it's just simply sharing your fears and your worries and thoughts and it makes a massive difference I, th-
0: I think I heard in an interview, is it 12,000 that your, um, the athletes are funded in Ireland a year?
1: Yeah, so there is different um levels of um funding, 12,000 is the one that I have been on for the last two years and like, if you think about it, 12,000 is not an awful lot of money yeah. to survive on for a year um, and I suppose you have to perform you have to give 110% to perform so it is very hard to work a full-time job on the outside because I'm training six days a week and I um, need to get the training in and different things like that so um, a job would be an awful lot of workload on top of what I'm doing already but I am very lucky to have various sponsors on the side who make the sport feasible as such because It's twelve thousand a year. You have so much expense. You have day to day living of rent and putting fuel in the car and going to training and different things like that. And then for traveling abroad for various competitions and um, warm weather training and different things like that. Like if you think about twelve thousand, is absolutely minimal. But um, this year, it has yet to be announced um, publicly on what everyone will be um, getting. The system has changed a little. Um, so there will be great support from Sport Ireland. Um, further into the year for everyone that went to um the Olympic Games, but yeah, I suppose the 40,000 40, is the max sports person under the Sport Ireland system will receive in a year. Um, and so like you could be an Olympic medalist, and forty thousand is what you'll um you'll earn, which is again minimal. Um, yeah. Uh, considering everything that you have to do but I am very lucky in terms of like even being in WIT doing my masters they're a massive support to me while I'm here on scholarship in terms of services physio nutrition um, and sports psychology as well so they all make a massive difference and even simple things like physio appointments like I need to go to regular physio for maintenance um, instead of when I need to go for um, an issue. So it all adds up. But um, yeah, it's a system that's changing. But I am very lucky to be a, an ambassador for various um companies and businesses, and to have um that support that certainly makes a massive difference.
0: Yeah, that's it's what, when you only break it down there, listening. It is, it is um very small, and having sponsors and stuff that that takes your mind off financial problems when you're. When you're training, one thing that I wanted to touch on before we go is um, you had an injury. You fractured a bone in your foot there a few years ago, didn't you?
1: Yeah. So in 2019, I fractured my fifth metatarsal, which is the bone on the outside of my foot. So I was literally just walking down a step. We were on warm weather weather training in um, Malta. So it was a cobble street. I wobbled off a footpath and it was just that wobbled that the it's the muscle on the side of my calf pulled the bone out um and it wasn't just because i had weak bones or different things like that it was just because um of the the angle that it wobbled off um so that was yeah a fifth metatarsal break it was i was just walking back from the best training session that i had done so if again i had a plan to get a medal at World Universities that summer um, and the day I broke my foot was 12 weeks to the day of the World Universities and I had come seventh um, in World Universities in 2017 so it was always my goal to to get a medal in 2019 and I very quickly was found myself inside in the hospital looking at x-rays with a, a broken foot and walking out with um, a boot and crutches and my again my plan a was to win that medal but that was no longer like possible in that moment so my plan b had to become my plan a and um learn how to adapt we got straight back into training um and adapting in every single way that we could um i got back running i think it was on week 7 week 8 slowly like back into anti gravity treadmill and different things like that but i found when i wasn't able to run like when I was in the boot less frustrating than I was able to run because I had to learn to get that pattern that coordination back again Um, and it was really hard and I definitely struggled and I think two weeks before World University Games I was like I'm not going I can't go like this isn't good enough and like I always want to perform to the best that I can and knowing that I wasn't in the shape that was good enough I definitely found that hard but it clicked one day and we got to world universities I got to the final and got through the rounds got to the final and I came sixth so that certainly was a massive achievement from breaking it to coming back and being in that world final 12 weeks later and that's a testament to Shane my coach and um, my physios and stuff around me that helped me get back but I think I learned an awful lot in that period of where I had to adapt and had to cope then when it came to lockdowns, because I had to adapt in 2019 and that made, that gave me the skills to adapt in 2020, um, which didn't make the lockdown probably as hard as it possibly could have been. So you definitely learn your lessons along the way. And I learned it in that year and I have been lucky injury wise. Thank God. Um, dislocated shoulder in 2020 was um, my biggest one and has dislocated a few times since, but it hasn't stopped me running But Um, yeah, you do. You, you just have to cope with these things, and it is so important to not dwell on like. At that point, I couldn't run. I was in a boot. I had to not dwell on it. I had to get over it and train in whatever possible way that I could. So that was when the plan B became the plan A, and that is another aspect that support psychology again would have come into play in helping me overcome that because you're you're walking back from the best training session that you've done, and now you're. Couple of minutes later, having a broken foot. So these things happen, and um, I've overcome it and um, out the far side with a lot of uh, life lessons and um, sporting lessons uh, learned along the way.
0: I like what you said there about adapting, and I think goals for anything in life the the the, the plan changes, but the goal stays the same. Um, before we finish up, I wanted to ask you were if you have any advice to. Any upcoming athletes in um in athletics or or any any sport from your experience from a young girl all the way up now to to today and overcoming all the things you have and being you can call yourself an Olympian and everything. What would you say to
1: to people coming up? Yeah, and like I look back now, and yes, I've got to the Olympics, and that's the pinnacle of anybody's sporting career when you can go to the Olympics. But like. I certainly wasn't that rising, ta- like that star talent when I was younger. I was doing sport to enjoy it, to have fun, uh, to explore different things. So I think it's so important for kids these days to enjoy the sport and do the sport because you want to do it. And like a lot of people are swayed because their friends are doing it and they think that they have to do GA or they have to do soccer and but they might want to do like dancing or different things like that. Do it for you. And if you enjoy it, that's what's the most important thing. And I think in Ireland as well, we have a massive focus on winning. And if you don't win, it's seen as failure. And I think that culture definitely needs to change um, in the younger age groups because it isn't about failing. It's about being better the next time. And my best could be totally different to someone else's best but if you go out and perform to your best whether it's on the pitch, whether it's on the track, in the swimming pool, whatever it may be if you perform to your best you're winning for you and all that matters is you so um, yeah, into the day, the most important thing is to enjoy it and focus on you and forget everybody else
0: Yeah and I definitely think that that that's important um, Phil, thanks a million for coming on and I really appreciate you taking the time to to talk to me today
1: no problem at all thanks a million for having me on
0: thanks Will you're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry